Welcome to Off Air. It's your weekly news sport and pop culture podcast where each week me and Nick Stewart pull apart our top three stories of the week. And uh, we've got some wild ones for you this week. The way the podcast works is Nick doesn't know any of the stories and I give you a little sneak peek at them in advance. So this week, we're going to be getting into actually a follow-up story, Bella Thorne and the sex worker backlash. I did not expect this. Story number two is Elon Musk's cyborg piggies. And then number three is Brad Pitt's new girlfriend's old husband. They're all on the other side of this. And if you're a fan of Off Air, uh, we would love to hang out with you, by the way. We have a Facebook group. Just search Off Air. Join. Chat with us. Let us know what you think of the stories. Let's get into it. Tim, Nick, yeah, let's with Nick and Tim. Tim, it's real talk, yeah. hey, it's real walks, this ain't gossip, it's just what we say when we're all here, it's real talk, it's real talk, just two opinions, we spit what we say, we all here, it's real talk, it's true talk, it's two opinions, we spit what we say when we all here. Hey Nick Stewart, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How has your week been, Timothy Rubin? My week has been one of the most anticlimactic weeks <laughs> I would say probably of my life. If you're a first-time listener, I live in Bendigo in regional Victoria, and Nick lives in Queensland, where you're free to do anything you want at the moment. As soon as we finish recording this, basically, I'm going to a pub. I'm not saying that to rub it in. I know uh, how dire the situation is down there. I was surprised not to see you on the news at the anti-mask rallies, though, Tim. (laughs) Why would I be in an anti-mask rally? (laughs) Firstly, they're in Melbourne, so that's beyond the five kilometres that I'm allowed to travel. Um, Oh... But secondly, um, so uh, Ellie and I had like the ultimate COVID uh, low this week and we decided, you know, they're saying a change is as good as a holiday. Yes. We decided to switch sides of the bed that we sleep on. Oh, weird move, man. (laughs) And it was literally the highlight of the week. You can't do that. Although I, I might need to do that because I've... And this is very whiny shit, but I've I've recently, this is my, okay, in the past fortnight, I've had three old man injuries. I uh, sprained my back, which you know about playing golf. Uh That's an old man injury for sure. Yeah. Huge old man injury. Last Saturday morning, I woke up and I was like, oh God, I've kinked my neck. Could not work out all day what it was from until my fiance Jazz reminded me that we went ten pin bowling the night before, <laughs> and I was clearly using a bowling ball that was too heavy. And then this morning, I woke up with a dead shoulder uh, with a little bit of nerve damage going on from spooning my fiance too much. So you got to switch. You got to flip sides. Yeah, got to try the flip. It's like the stranger when you sit on your hand. It's just a different process. <laughs> I like that all of your injuries come from such lame things. Don't do anything. Oh, it's so pathetic, isn't it? That's that's the problem. You, you flick over to 30 and there's two things no one tells you. They don't tell you that your metabolism just stops working. Yeah. All of a sudden, anything you eat, you put on as weight. And then the second thing is your body slowly starts to disintegrate around you. I injured myself. Oh, it wasn't. I think I was 29. A couple of years ago, uh, I sneezed. Just threw my back out, sneezed, and I was done. <laughs> and it took me like two weeks to recover from it, um, which, yeah, doesn't fit with my persona of like outdoor hiking, camping man. So Yeah, Patagonia Tim. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that situation. Uh, should we do our Nick picks? Do you, have a, do you have a recommendation for me? 
I do. I have a great one. Uh, so there's a, a, a clinical psychologist called Cass Dunn and she hosts a podcast called Crappy to Happy, but she's also got two great books. Uh, one is just called Crappy to Happy and the second is Crappy to Happy, Love What You Do, uh, Simple Steps to Find Meaning in Your Work. Uh, and they are, they're they fantastic books. And she's just a, she's, she, she writes in a very relatable way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're into the self-help stuff, this is on the lower end. Like it's, you're not walking over fire coals, listening to, um, Tim Robbins yell at you, but it's, it's an, it's a nice digestible, easy thing. And she's a fantastic human being as well. Wow. Okay. So what's the name of the book again? One more time. Crappy to happy. Love what you do and, is the one I really love. That's the one I'm into. The podcast is also called Crappy to Happy. So it is. And Tiff Hall is on there as well. Who's another fan? It, it, she, she, you you probably you think of her as like Gladiator Biggest Loser and all that type of stuff, mm-hmm. but she's actually super intelligent. And and they do a fantastic job of finding ways to sort of rewire your body and your brain to keep you happy. Is there one thing that you've actually learned? Like one thing that you've learned and you've you've tried from it from from this week or something that's hard well i'm only in the reading process at the moment and to be honest uh, if you do follow the podcast i went through a lot last week so i'm sort of just consuming it at the moment i haven't put anything into action (laughs) okay all right it's just the ideas are kind of melting into your life exactly well i'm just consuming at the moment i'm still a bit of a zombie how about you what's your nick pick for this week okay my nick pick is um i signed up at the start of the first lockdown to masterclass which if you haven't heard of it before, it's um, it's like an online learning resource where they get these incredible people to teach a course in whatever it is that they're an expert in. So they have like Serena Williams doing an online tennis lesson. Um, they have like amazing, they have Samuel Jackson teaching an online acting class. Martin Scorsese does a directing one, I think, yeah. as well. They have Penn and Teller teaching magic tricks. Um, so they're really like amazing people. Anyway, so I've been doing a bunch of these classes and I started one that has blown my mind. So who is it? Uh, it is uh, Daniel, I don't know how to say his last name, Daniel Negrano. And he is uh, one of the world's best poker players. And this is so next level. So. I've done a few of these masterclasses and normally when you do them, it's like, it's really interesting to see inside somebody of that level's mind, but also Mm. it's often like, not that, I don't know, like the, I watched the whole Disney CEO guy. Um, and it was like, you know, you want to like get up really early and work really hard and like creativity is really important. Yeah. Bob Iger. Yeah. It was nice. It was enjoyable, but there was nothing that he said that I was like, that my jaw hit the ground. Yeah. Daniel, so what was the big? What's the big? What's the big poker hint? If, oh my god! It's every, the way that this guy thinks about poker, Nick, is so. Like I play poker every now and then with friends. Not at the moment, mm. obviously. Thank you, COVID. It's like he is playing based on where he's sitting at the table. He's playing like like I'd never even thought about that. I I would just play poker and I'm like, okay, I look at the cards that I have and I look at the people that I'm playing against. He's trying to figure out ranges for every single hand, for every single person. He's not playing with the cards that he has. He has, he's playing with the range of cards that he could potentially have in everybody else's mind. It is. Oh, wow. How he's putting together his bluffs and things like that. Everything. Yeah. That's interesting. And does he use, because obviously in poker, there's there's nowadays a really strong math element to Mm -hmm. it of working out what percentage your hand could possibly be. 
Um, yeah, so he, he he talks about that stuff, but it's not super heavy math. It's just these principles. Like when you play poker, do you play based on where you're sitting at the table? I play, I play uh, to be honest, against most people, I'll just play really basic maths because most people try to overbluff. Yeah. Like right. amateur, amateur poker players try to overbluff. And if you usually just play really simple maths principles, you'll end up getting to the point where you can at least face off against someone. Yeah. Yeah. This is like just so many levels above and it's just absolutely opened my brain. So that's my, that's my Nick pick. Um, check out love my it. masterclass and check out the poker one. If you're a poker player, Nick, should we kick things off? Should we do story number one? Let's do it. Story number one, Nick, this is a follow-up story, which is very rare for us, Bella Thorne's sex worker backlash. So uh, last week, we brought you the story of Bella Thorne, who, if you haven't heard, she is an ex-Disney star. Uh, You know her from things like Wizards of Waverly Place. She was in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, She basically broke the OnlyFans website after she signed up. She uh, she gained like 80,000 followers in 24 hours, she made $1.39 million in 24 hours and actually ended up hitting $2 million by the end of the week. If you haven't heard of OnlyFans, basically it's an online, um, it, uh, how would you describe it, Nick? An adults only private? It's, it, it's a subscription website. So you can subscribe to certain people on there. They can choose to put up content and that content is of an adult nature. Yeah. Um, this was the conversation that we had last week about how crazy this is that she's broke. She literally blew up an adult website and we spoke about the morals of the adult industry at a whole. Mm. I did not predict and neither did you the controversy that this story was going to take on as it evolved. And over the last week, this story has evolved incredibly. So there are two parts to this. The first part is that Bella Thorne scammed everybody. Um, Yeah. So she said that if you follow her um, and you pay like a higher amount, so $200, you're going to get sent nudes. She didn't send anybody nudes. She sent basically like sexy bikini and lingerie photos. So that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story is that there has been a gigantic backlash, which I didn't predict at all, from sex workers who are already on the site. And basically when you, when you have somebody with such a huge following and you like break an industry, it's going to have an impact on the other people in the industry. Um, so firstly, OnlyFans have had to change a bunch of their policies, including they now hold money for longer and they cap certain payments. And secondly, sex workers have been speaking out saying that she's just joined this as a gimmick and a tourist and that it's cheapened and broken their livelihood. We I don't. I see. I just. I don't know if I agree with that. And I've seen some of this backlash. I. I. I think it's. It, it's a free market, and that's what happens with things that are a free market. Like we can't keep complaining about the parameters put around us. Uh, this is. This is my take on it. Is that I understand where they're coming from and the message that they're trying to say that she's this chick who has used a Disney following to garner a bunch of followers and earn herself a bunch of money. But at the end of the day. It, she's totally within her rights to do that. So, you know, from a moral and ethical standpoint, who cares? Yeah, well, I mean, when you say who cares, there are, there are two parts to this story, and it's very important that I don't know whether we look at it as a whole or whether we talk about the two aspects individually. When you say who cares, 
there are something like 450,000 legitimate sex workers who are on this site who have all been impacted. So now they're not able to earn as much money. There are much larger gaps between when people pay them and they actually receive the money. So when you say who cares, they care because this has impacted Mm. their livelihood and it's impacted it at a time that is very, very touchy. I mean, we... Heralded. Well, it's not touchy. That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> but we, <laughs> I wish, we heralded OnlyFans last week and we were saying, this is so wonderful. Uh, we're removing the middleman and we're empowering uh, women who want to take part in this industry and we're giving them a way to earn money. And now uh, in, a, in a time where a lot of people have lost their jobs um, and now we're seeing it start to sour because of the impact that this celebrity with 23 million Instagram followers has had. But do we have any measurables around how many new customers that brought to the platform? I mean, that's where it gets interesting because it's all well and good for these people to say it's impacted, but has it has it potentially brought a far greater audience to this platform and created more, uh, I guess, free publicity for this platform than the harm that it's done to it? That's a really good question. I don't have the numbers on that. Um, yeah, but that that's a that's a really interesting point. I think we're going to probably see that in I guess well we're not personally going to see it, but those sex workers are going to see it over the next couple of months. Um some of the tweets are really interesting. This has been huge on Twitter by sex workers. Uh, one wrote encouraging the oversaturation of an industry you don't understand is dangerous. Not everyone is cut out for sex work. What you're doing is harmful in so many ways. Refund the sex workers you have directly harmed. No, okay. I saw this comment. Okay, yeah. I fucking completely (laughs) disagree with that statement. No, it is. It's bullshit. I hate it when everyone goes, they see someone who they perceive to have a lot of money and they go, you should give all that money to someone else. Yeah. Like why would, why on what planet would that ever happen? And and why should I listen to some random person on Twitter who's telling me to give away all my money? It's, it's, it's a redundant argument and it's, and it's ridiculous. Whatever she chooses to do with her income is absolutely her business and it's not anyone else's. That's not the rules I made up, but we can't just like this cancel crap online and this like publicly shaming people to put their money in different places. It happened around the bushfires in January in Australia. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when when all these people started um, like atting people on Twitter, being like, "Well, where's your money, motherfucker?" And then it turned out there was a bunch of people who've made private donations in their personal life that don't feel they need to display that. I actually saw a really interesting tweet, and I don't know if it was. I can't think of who it was from. It was from a celebrity and they made the point, hey, maybe like when you take your camera and ram it in a homeless person's face and offer them a Big Mac, that doesn't make them feel like a very nice person or it doesn't humanize them in any way whatsoever. Maybe just give them the Big Mac and don't film the thing. Like we we have been sold into this myth that everything we do needs to be publicized. And documented. And generally the greatest acts of kindness, no one will ever find out about. And that's, the way it should be. There was actually a really great story and um, this is not at the forefront of my brain, so I'm not going to be able to do it correctly. But uh, there was a story about a Korean boy pop group and they got slammed online and it was like, why aren't you guys donating to the bushfires? Which like they have nothing to do with. And they responded Mm. and they said, we have, we donated this amount. And then somebody else commented and they said well there are so many other issues in the world don't in the world don't you think that you should also be uh dealing with uh this problem in america and they said actually we have 
we donated this amount to that. And it went on for about three or four things. And they had been hugely charitable and hadn't been massively publicizing it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was it BTS? I bet it was BTS. They're heartthrobs. I couldn't Um, couldn't tell you. I've never listened to a single Korean. But this is the... This is the biggest problem with that whole thing, man, is like, what are those people? I I wonder if those people go to sleep at night being like the people on Twitter that do this, go to sleep at night being like, man, I've, I've helped the world today. I harassed eight different celebrities to try to give money to charities. I myself am not giving to. Uh, It's just a weird concept. Look, the Bella Thorne one, everyone just has an opinion on everything, doesn't it? And she is a headline. At the moment, she's a walking headline. So she's going to continue to attract these regardless of what she does. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's just going to be something where she's going to get hate every which way she goes. Yeah. I think that she's deserving of that for the fact that she was advertising that she was going to do something and then she didn't do it. And I mean, I don't mean to pu- pressure somebody into sending nudes out, but if but that's a fine line, isn't it? <laughs> but if that's what your ad says and you take the money for it, then yeah, like I understand why people are unhappy for her for that. But I do agree that even though OnlyFans has had to change some of the parts of their website, what they're doing is they're scaling and they are preparing themselves for the future. They're getting bigger. And these things were probably going to have to happen anyway at some point uh, because OnlyFans has been blowing up lately. And I still think that it's an incredible platform. I still am really happy that it exists. And I still think that it's empowering all of the sex workers who are on there even if now there are certain caps and limitations in place. But at the end of the day, what it's really doing is protecting the platform itself. Because if the platform doesn't have these rules, then it it exposes it to to legal problems. Um, So it needs to prepare itself for future things like this. So yeah, look, it sucks that it's happened, but you know, it's going to come back stronger. That's what I think. The other thing is fools and their money are easily parted. And this sounds very much like a situation where that is the case. Didn't you pay? I mean, it's she didn't she didn't magic this money together. There's a bunch yeah. of people that paid for these subscriptions. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There's one thing that we haven't touched on during all of, uh, in this part of the conversation, and um, I want to preface it by saying I'm a uh, like I very openly describe myself as a feminist. Um, I always describe myself as a feminist and I think that everybody should describe themselves as a feminist. I think that um, there are big problems in the world around um, people not um, kind of carrying or sharing some of those feminist or or equalist beliefs. Um, And usually those problems come from men. It tends to come from men. But sometimes these problems do come from groups of women. And I think that's actually what's happening now. Like if there was a group of men who were slamming Bella Thorne saying, how dare you jump on this website? I think we would say, hey, this is a woman who can do whatever she wants with her body. And I think the fact that this is a group of sex workers, I think that we should still be able to look at what they're doing and what they're saying objectively. And I think Bella Thorne has the exact same right to be in any industry be it a sex industry or not, as anybody else. I don't think that just because these people have been in this industry for a long time, they have the right to tell somebody else that they are not welcome within it because they don't own it. Well, I, for one, feel wildly, wildly qualified to discuss this, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why I started with a a huge preface because, yeah, (laughs) we're really, we're digging up, but... um, 
No, I mean, I, I just don't think that anybody should be able to tell anybody else what they can and can't do with their body. Story number two. Elon Musk gives the weirdest damn product demonstration I've ever seen with the first look at cyborg pigs. What? <laughs> I love when I catch you off guard when you don't know the story. Um, so we know about Tesla. Um, Nick, I'm guessing that you know about SpaceX. Would that be correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's one of the few superpowers on the planet that are capable of reaching space at the moment. Yep. And he is the only uh, corporation. Yes. So um, those are two companies that we know that Elon Musk has. There's a third company that uh, is slightly lesser known and it's called Neuralink. And this week they did like their Apple iPhone style product demonstration. Only their product demonstration was a little bit different um, because what Neuralink is, is basically a computer chip that you put in your brain that gives you access to the internet and computer superpowers. And they are now officially testing it on live pigs. And they did one of those demonstrations and it was pretty wild. Nick, are we ready for babe pig in the future? <laughs> what did the pig look at online? Do we know what it, like, that's what I want to know. What did the pig look at as soon as it could get online and have the wealth of everything in front of its mind? What did it? It signed up to Bella Thorne. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it makes sense. Although it's going to be disappointed from the sounds of things. Um, Yeah, I think this is kind of cool. I mean, my favorite episode of um, uh, Black Mirror is the San Junipero episode where you can upload your consciousness and live in a constant altered state of reality. Although, I mean, therein lies the question of what lies beyond the grave. I mean, this is all very interesting stuff. Are we ready for this as a society? Absolutely not. But we haven't been ready for anything that happens in our world. We weren't ready for the Industrial Revolution. No. We're, this, uh, this story Humans has, are great at breaking eggs and then we make it up as we go. This story has really skated by. I saw this like way down the bottom of some tech pages. And in my mind, this is one of the biggest stories of the week because this is going to change this is going to change everything. And if they can do it on a pig, it means that they're getting pretty close. So these pigs have been living with these chips in their brains happily. And you can see the pigs like, I don't know how they're feeling exactly, but you can tell when a pig is like walking around and still eating and doing normal things. They've been living for two months with these computer chips. Um, Now the pigs don't, I don't believe the pigs have access to the internet from their brains. Disappointing. (laughs) But that's the idea. So these, this, product is going to be called brain machine interfaces or bmi and it's a much more exciting use of the acronym bmi Mm. um yeah and so so basically a less exciting use of pigs though i would like to throw that in because generally they're just fantastic animals to eat (laughs) so it's disappointing to me that we're wasting pigs on neural links when we could instead be having bacon or pork belly or pork chops so uh, or yeah, sorry, go on. Peter was obviously not very happy about this. There's a whole angle oh, for this. Peter that Peter's like about angry anything. because they're putting computer chips in pigs and yeah, fair enough. But at the same time, I eat pigs, so I can't talk. So, mm. so, but let's talk about the computer chips in the brain. What do you think? Are you excited about it? Do you, how do you think this is going to impact everything? I need to know what it is going to see and what I am going to see. That is That is my greatest concern because I don't want like... I'm one of those people that to my fiance Jazz, I'm like, if I die in a freak accident, the first thing you need to do is delete my entire search history. Just throw away everything. The computer, the phone, goodbye. Burn it all. Not because there's anything outlandish to hide, but I would die of embarrassment of just the stupid shit that I Google from time to time. (laughs) 
if I hadn't already passed. So, I mean, look, we all like, this is where everyone freaks out and everyone goes, ah, oh, it's conspiracy theory. And it's all about mind control and blah, 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 blah. We already have this. It's not in our heads. It's just in our pockets. Yeah. It, this, I'm assuming this will do nothing different to what a mobile phone currently does for us. Yeah. Well, it would do uh, it would do less to begin with, but it would essentially eventually open up access to the internet from our brain. Yeah. What's really interesting, and and you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. Um, Elon Musk speaks about this quite a bit, and this is where the idea of all of this has come from. Is Elon Musk describes us as cyborgs already? So we are cyborgs. And what's really interesting is our brains work completely differently to our grandparents' brains. So our our grandparents had brains that were really good at retaining information and our brains are terrible at it. We can hold, we store much, much less information now, but what our brains are really good at is knowing that that information does exist and knowing the path that we need to take in order to access it. Mm. So our parents, our parents and our grandparents used to go to school and they would go, okay, uh, what's a, uh, this person died in 1776. We, that goes in one ear, out the other. We go, that person did this. They died at some point. I know how to remember it. And now what we have is we've essentially outsourced our memory. The reason why our brains have changed is because we now outsource our memory to our phones and to our computers. Um, And so what this is going to do is it's going to just put that I mean, I, I, the saying is at our fingertips, but it's even closer because we're not going to have to open something and unlock it and type in words. It's pretty- I love it. I'm all in for it. Would you get it? I think I would get it. Yeah, I think I would. If if it got to a stage where if it got to a stage where people were getting it and it it, it seemed safe and it was tested, I think the bigger question doesn't lie around would I get it. I think the questions that it starts to raise are like the moral and ethical issues around it. Because when you start creating like a cyborg human, you're also creating, I mean, it has huge implications in terms of class. Like, well, that's the thing. Who gets these? Who and gets how does it? that all work? Yeah, because we have issues in our society already around certain, you know, if you have more money and you get to go to a better school or you go to a better university, you have a bigger advantage in terms of your life. Well, now this is going to be times a thousand because if you... If you have limitless access to information in your brain, you're right. It is. Although knowing... Well, I guess he is a massive capitalist. Uh yeah, it's a, it, 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 it's a challenging one. Oh. You're 100% right. I mean, I still think this is year, like decades away from being a feasible thing. Yeah, but if they're and I think- doing it to pigs now, it's probably within our lifetime. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think that's a fair... I, look, I'd love to see... Uh, altered consciousness in our lifetime. I'm all for the future. Bring it on, because otherwise, I'm not going to see it. Like when we pass, that's 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 you know we all have our different beliefs, but we're probably not going to know what's going on here too much. So, uh, you know, the future is it, it. You're either the type of person that's an early adopter and you find the future exciting, or you're the type of person that finds change scary. Uh, and I feel very fortunate that I'm someone that finds change exciting. Mm. Do you think that it's going to be worth it? Like if it does happen and those problems do exist, because this will, I mean, we talk about first and third world now, which I know are terms that are like semi frowned upon, but we talk about 
the the differences in classes in the world, this will blow that out of the water. Like we will literally have a class of intelligent people who have a level of intelligence that is beyond what we can imagine. I mean, you have the internet. Well, that in your sounds brain. better than that sounds better than the current system where it's just about having more money than God. Like you can't tell me that that that, that the people uh, are, that are running stuff at the moment are the most intelligent people. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it would be nice. And to also, that- I got to be honest with you. I think the class system was slightly worse during the colonial era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, like slave ownership was, was a, and that does happen around yeah, the but, world still, but fortunately not so much where we live. But what it is, is it's a, we've moved forward since then. And so now we're discussing bringing something in that's going to bring us backwards. It's not going to be based on race. It's going to be based it on it's it going to, it's going to be based on how many gigs you've got in the chip in your brain, which is fucking a wild sentence. It is. It's wild. It's cool that we. It, it, it's very sci-fi. It's very sci-fi stuff in a very sci-fi world. It, it'll be so interesting. I don't fully trust Elon Musk. I've got to be honest with you. What's your take on him? Yeah, I mean, anyone that names their kid X Ash Thingo, and like, yeah, didn't he help? No, like, didn't he is just—he's on the line from becoming Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons. And- like, he's on the line of like, at any moment, he could flick and become a supervillain. Yes, and didn't he like hold Grimes against her will in his house for several days? Oh, that yeah. Like, look, there was shit. some discussions around. Stuff. There is some weird. Oh, look, and he just loves trolling people as well. That's the other thing. He genuinely, and he called that diver a pedo. Yeah. Uh, during the, <laughs> during the whole the kids stuck in the cave thing in Indonesia, <laughs> so his his track record is not impeccable. I mean, that like did... we're not talking about uh, Gandhi. That diver did spend a lot of time with passed out boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm not ready for that lawsuit. Let's move on. Story number three: Brad Pitt has a new girlfriend who has an old husband. <laughs> <laughs> so. Brad Pitt has a brand new girlfriend. Her name is Nicole Potoralski. Uh, she's a 27-year-old Polish-German model. She's very pretty. Congratulations to her. Uh, Brad and Nicole have been spotted on holiday together in France. Twist is she's married already. Her husband is 68-year-old Roland Mary. Um, uh, he's like an old German restaurateur, although he's like not that much older than Brad Pitt, so whatever. Uh, they, mm. they have a seven-year-old son together. And they are in an open marriage. And this is probably the first open A-list relationship. So it's kind of... No, no. Tilda Tilda Swinton? She's in one. She's not A-list like Brad Pitt, though. Oh, okay. You're right. But I mean, like, look, uh, let's call a spade a spade. Marlon Brando and James Dean uh, were both seeing women and at the same time sleeping with each other. What? What Didn't you know that? No. James Dean was obsessed with Marlon Brando. He slept outside his house for three days. Marlon Brando had to get like the police to shoo him away. Are you serious? I'm not even kidding you. This is... But that's... I think that this is a different thing, Nick. You're talking... I mean, this is like a strange affair that happened. Either... Look, either way, anything Brad... Brad Pitt is probably in my top three living humans on this planet. Yeah. Okay. Like, if I was to put... It would be him... It would be Mick Fanning, who got a, I think he got a mention earlier in this podcast. Fantastic human. 
Uh, and then it'd be, look, it'd be a struggle for third, to be honest. Those two are pretty high up there. What are you talking about? What does this have to do with... Because <laughs> well, he, he can do what he wants. If he would, well, I mean, why did you bring this up? Well, he can sleep with a young Italian model who's married to an old German restaurateur. It sounds like the plot to one of his movies. Mr. and Mrs. and Mr. Smith. Yeah, all of them together. I mean, Brad Pitt, uh, if he if if they're in a loving, open relationship, then why do you have to begrudge people happiness, Tim? Why do you? Or first of all, you were bagging out women uh, <laughs> for for attacking Bella Thorne. Well, yeah, I was. you were bagging out vulnerable women. Can I say? And then you have the audacity to slut shame or kink shame. Brad Pitt and his young Italian uh, model and her old German husband. No, I'm actually not kink shaming Brad Pitt and her. And- Why do you hate fun? <laughs> no, I'm not kink shaming Brad Pitt. I actually wanted to have a conversation about this because I think, and look, I know you say Tilda Swinton, but I would say that the majority of people couldn't point out, couldn't say who Tilda Swinton was based I don't on know, her she name. She has a pretty gnarly face. I think that this is a really interesting time. Stop pulling apart my story, Nick. I've spent a lot of time. <laughs> All right, go. I think that this is an interesting moment in Hollywood. I think it's an interesting moment in pop culture because we are seeing, I'm going to say it again, probably the first A-list open relationship. And this could be the start of a turning point where I think it could potentially normalize some of these conversations. I'm not kink shaming it because I'm not saying that it's bad. I think it's interesting. And I wonder what this is going to do for the world. I wonder if people are going to start having more, more conversations around the, these things. It's hard. Probably not. That would be my first answer. As, as much as it saddens me because you know, I'm a very liberal person. Yep. I don't mean as in the party. I mean, as in the philosophy, yep. uh, but we are actually part of a particularly conservative generation and the generation after us is actually even more conservative. So it, it, it if you look at human behavior and you look at human behavior over a long period of time, it actually always goes in waves. It's, it's, it's incredibly cyclical and we don't understand it because we're a small part of that. Microcosm. Um, what the Dean Lewis song was about. Yeah. <laughs> it is, I believe it was actually, it was. um, <laughs> but he, uh, like, so the sort of seventies, eighties was like peak. We're just going to sleep with everyone. Uh, and then 90s started to get a bit more conservative. And so far, the 2000s, even though we have more access to, I guess, taboo subject matter than we've ever had, uh, it is a, a particularly conservative gener- generation. I think we'd be more open to them as philosophies because as, as ideals we are, but whether more people will action it, I find that questionable just because we are falling back into a pattern of having singular life partners and 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 less adultery and things like but that. But there's also a lot of progress that's happening at like a government level. Like during the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of first world countries bring um, gay marriage into legislation. Yep. Yep. So, I, I mean, whether or not we're going to see governments have to... But has that increased the rate of... Uh, uh, well, look, that's a f- stupid that's a thing question. to say. Because it can't, because you're either born gay, yeah. like you are part of the LGBTI community or you're not. But I would argue that bringing in, like that's that was so incredibly outdated and needed to happen. Yeah. But so do you uh, think- But it's not going to increase the rate at which people have these sexual feelings. Do you think that this could uh, start, be the start of governments potentially having conversations around legislating for non-monogamous- like marriages. I mean, we could see uh, 
poly or three person marriages start to be accepted. I mean, like it's a huge can of worms. Nah, to, it's a huge nah, can of worms so. to eventually open because you you start having to look at insurance details, um, like wills, de facto laws. Like there are so many things that could potentially change once yeah, this ball I, starts rolling. I question that. I, I I don't think that it will. I don't think that this will be of a progressive nature. And I actually think that Hollywood has fallen behind the times in in terms of pushing progressive ideals. Yeah. I think we find it more from situational stuff around us. I think we find it from people who do podcasts or people, uh, you know, who are parts of documentaries. I don't necessarily think that the glitz and glamour of Hollywood normalizes things anymore because I think over the past certainly three years, we've seen how not normal Hollywood is. Yeah. I've got some statistics here for you. Let's see if this lines up in your brain. So um, an article that Rolling Stone published said that currently, and this is American uh, statistics, but I would say that they would Mm -hmm. be pretty similar in Australia, 4 to 5% of people are currently in um, some form of non-monogamous relationship, so some form of open relationship, um, with 20% of adults uh, having tried it at some point. They've said that 28% of adults uh, say that they don't think that humans are supposed to be with one partner forever, as in they're not designed to. It's not within our our build. And 29% of under 30s said that they thought that it was morally acceptable to be in a a non-monogamous relationship Um, with a much smaller percentage. I think it was something like under 6% of people over 60 believed that. Those numbers seem low to me. I'm actually a little surprised by those numbers. Like the 28% think it's acceptable because I would have assumed, I, w- I guess I would have uh, probably ignorantly hoped that that number is actually a little bit higher. I'm not saying it would work for me in my relationship, but I have. I, I would not begrudge someone who wants to take that route. I think everyone's relationship is so, so incredibly different. And as long as it's founded on love and mutual respect, then... Uh, then, then that to me signifies a healthy relationship so much more than any other key indicator. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that we're in a really interesting time at the moment and um, I don't mean to bring COVID into this because I feel like COVID... Well, it definitely limits it for you guys. You've got to find someone within 5Ks. <laughs> but I know that COVID is a part of so many conversations and it's nice to exclude it, but I think that something that COVID has done is it really has kind of pulled down a lot of these fake rules that have existed in our world for so long. So, for example, they're, they're discussing not having the Sydney fireworks this year for New Year's Eve. And that's something that mm. so many people are like, what? How can you not have the, the fireworks? It's not a real thing. It doesn't matter. It's not real. In the same, I like fireworks. I know. I mean, they're pretty, man. Come on. I know. Um, at the same time, we saw today uh, they have decided that the AFL Grand Final is going to be in Brisbane. There's all these people going, "What? How could this possibly happen?" It's not a real. It's not a real rule. These things are literally just made up. They're not very old traditions. It doesn't matter. And in this, yeah, but they're the things that bind us as humans. Like as humans, we need to have the like. Even if you look back pre-Christianity, if you look back to pagan times, they still had uh, festivals and things that occurred at the same time every year because we need those things as human beings to bind us to each other. Yeah, but there is there is significance and, and importance, and I would suggest. For you, someone coming from the world of arts, I would have thought you would uh, 
you know, sometimes the purpose of something is just to be beautiful. Yes. No, I agree with that. But I think that it's a really interesting time that we can start to reconsider certain things that exist in our society for kind of no reason. And one of them is the idea that couples are purely a a monogamous thing. And I'm in the same boat as you. I'm in a monogamous relationship and it's not something that I think would work for me. But at the same time, I like to see that there's this diversity happening now in Hollywood on a pedestal. And I would hope that governments and, you know, we have these rules about this is what a couple is. This is what a family is. I like the idea that these things, we take a step back and go, hold on, these things are totally malleable. None of these things are real. It can be whatever you want it to be. That comes back to change, doesn't it? That comes back to both of us being people who adopt change. I think the biggest thing to point out is that we're, we, we are both, uh, uh, just white monogamous simps doing a podcast as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wondered how long we would go before the word simp came into it. <laughs> yeah, well, we totally I can't believe that's a negative thing. I get, both you know, that like, saddens me. We saddens me that that term is perceived as a negative we, thing. We both totally are because we both covered our asses by by filling in for very our, specifically our, stating for our partners who definitely listened. <laughs> oh yeah yeah no i can imagine it works for that guy but uh, i would never look at that me personally having two girlfriends someone else (laughs) man i can barely handle one um yeah i would love to with that and look with the with those statistics you were reading about america i would love to know if they included the state of utah like i would love to know if uh more like polyamorous mormon relationships uh are warranted or are they considered uh, a faux pas because they're aligned with a level of religion? Yeah, so um, they are, I think they are polygamous. Yeah, they are polygamous. Polygamous and not polyamorous. polyamorous. And there, is, yeah. there are all of those rules around how only the man can have multiple partners. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's a bad system. It's a different I'm not type pro it. of um, yeah. consensual, consensual non-monogamy. I don't know if those numbers would have popped up in those statistics. I'm not sure. Oh, it's interesting, man. There you go. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations on working the word simp into this. Thank you. I'm just trying to keep up with the Twitter trends, man. I'm just trying to, you know, stay current and stay fresh. Do you think they're going to do an episode on The Simpsons? That is okay. We need to end this. We'll end it there. (laughs) I think we're at the end anyway. All right. Well, that's the end of another episode of Off Air. If you like hanging out with us, we put out an episode every single week and we would love to chat to you on our Facebook page. Um, just search Off Air on Facebook and uh, yeah, get in touch. We, we chat about all of the different topics throughout the week. Nick, is there anything you want to chuck in there? Keep it simpy, yo. <laughs> See you later. Catch you next week. Bye.